This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are y'all doing this morning? Awesome. Well, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're here with us as we continue the series called Is There an App for That? We've been talking about some of the spiritual disciplines that we need in order to grow in our relationship with God. And, and over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been talking about some different things. You know, God has been doing some incredible things here at our church, and we've been seeing a whole bunch of people give their lives to Christ over the last couple of weeks. And, and a couple of weeks ago, we did, a, we did a message on baptism. We saw a whole bunch of people go out and profess their faith through water baptism. And last week, we dove in and we talked about how do we get to really know God and what does that look like on a daily basis as far as getting into God's word and understanding that, that God's written word is, is very, very important. It's very, very vital for our spiritual lives. If we want to know where we're going to go in life, one of the best ways we can look is what God has already said about our lives. And the Bible is a great aspect to dive into and to learn from and to really grow in. And, and this week, we're, we're going to be talking about a subject that, that I love. Um, but before we dive into that, I just got a question because you know, we're talking about apps and we're talking about technology and, and all these different things. How many of you guys out there, you're a techie? You know, you love technology. You love gadgets. You, you know, like you go to Best Buy and play with stuff for fun. A couple of you guys out there, you know, there's, there's some of us that are out there. I'm, I'm a wannabe techie. You know, I'm the guy that, that I would like to have that stuff, but every time I go and play with it, I break it and, uh, because I don't know what I'm doing. And so, like, it, the idea of technology is great in my mind, but the reality is, is that it scares me to death. In fact, it, it's kind of funny. I got a new computer, like, two weeks ago, and, and it's been sitting on our kitchen table, and... Um, you know, I should be using it at this point, but I'm so scared that I'm going to mess something up that it's basically sat there. Like, I, I had to give it to Shayla, and Shayla is kind of the techie in our family. Um, she knows how to do all that stuff, and so so I don't break it. I give it to her, and she tries to figure it out before I go and mess it up. And usually what happens is I mess it up, then I give it to her, and she fixes it. And so, like, I love the idea of of grabbing stuff. You know, it took me forever to learn how to use my iPad. I'm, I wasn't very smart. Uh, it took me like two months to figure out how to download apps. In fact, my best friend is sitting right over here. He came and visited me and he's like, I'll just get you a whole bunch of apps. Okay. And just, and he just did it all for me. And I was like, cool, what do I do now? You know, that's just kind of how I am in life. Some of you guys can relate. And what we're going to be talking about today is, is kind of like that. It's this idea of prayer. It's this idea of talking to God. In reality, you hear that and you say, man, that's awesome. I would love to talk with God. I'd love to communicate with God. But when you start looking at it and trying to do it, you realize, man, I don't have a clue what I'm supposed to do here. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, Because you, you hear people pray. Like, I'll just be honest. When I hear my wife pray, I'm like, man, I suck at this. Like she has these, she's praying for these churches and they're so eloquent. I'm like, my prayer would be like, God, just help them. Amen. You know, and she's like, man, help them reach their, like she's got all these really good buzzwords and stuff that make me feel really unspiritual. And there's nothing wrong with her doing that. It's just, I, I don't get that. I don't, that's not how I am. That isn't how I operate. In fact, I can remember the first time I, I, I when I first got saved, uh, our church did, um, these prayer meetings, like these all-night prayer meetings. Anybody ever been to an all-night prayer meeting? Um, if you haven't, you probably don't want to go. I'm just going to tell you that. It's, when they say all-night, they really mean that. And so I showed up. 
And uh, they're like, hey, this is awesome you're here. I was like the youngest person there. I was like 18 years old. Everybody else was like 65. I was like, this is going to be great. They're going to fall asleep and I can just dip out. They, and they didn't. Um, and, and they had these rooms and they called them prayer closets. And they're like, this is what you do. You go in there and you get on your knees and you just pray all night. And I'm like, okay, that, I can probably do that. And so I went in there and I went in and I got in my knees and, and I started praying. I started praying for my, my family, like every name that I could remember in my family. I was coming up with distant cousins that I hadn't seen in like 27 years, even though I hadn't even been alive that long. I was coming up with their names. And when I ran out of their names, I started praying for presidents, alive and dead, uh, <laughs> actors and actresses. Then I started thinking of countries. I was like, maybe I could pray around the world. And so I'm praying. I'm like, I've got like 17 countries done. And then I'm like, I don't know any other countries. And, and, and I was like, I'm thinking to myself, man, I've been praying forever. Be, and the reason I thought that is because I was like, man, my knees are killing me. And, and I looked down at my watch, and I've been going for like 15 minutes. And, uh, and I realized in that moment that maybe I'm not a prayer warrior, you know, somebody that can just fight through these things. And, and the only thing that I really knew at that moment is that my knees were killing me, and I just wanted to get up and leave. And so, but I think a lot of us, that's how we feel. We feel like, man, there's all these rituals, there's all these things that we have to go and do, and we got to get in these positions, and we got to have all this language, and we got to have all these things down in order to really experience what prayer is all about. And I, I found this, this statement that I read in a book by Chuck Swindoll, who's a, who's a famous pastor. He was, he was the president of D Dallas Theological Seminary, and this is what he says about prayer. He said, to be painfully honest with most of the stuff that I've ever read or heard about prayer has either left me under a ton and a half truckload of guilt or wearied me with pious sounding phrasing phrases and meaningless god talk without trying to sound ultra cynical i frequently walked away thinking who needs this because i didn't spend two or three grueling hours a day on my knees as dr so-and-so did or because i failed just to say things the right way whatever that means or because i wasn't able to weave several scripture verses through my prayer or because I had not been successful in, in moving mountains, I picked up the distinct impression that I was out to lunch when it came to this part of my spiritual life. It seemed almost spooky, mystical, dare I say, even a little superstitious. A lot of verbal mumbo-jumbo laced with some secret jargon that some people had and others didn't. And I definitely didn't. You know, some of us, we can relate to that. I know when I read that for the first time, I could totally relate to that because I didn't, I didn't know all the, the special Christianese that everybody else had. I didn't know when to say praise the Lord and hallelujah and, and all those other things that people say that really understand God and church. And, and, and I just looked at my, this and I thought, man, I, I'm like, I'm just jacked up when it comes to this. And, and, and I don't think God created prayer, this idea of us getting to know God and God knowing us to create all this guilt in our lives. I don't think that that's what, what this was all about at all. I don't think that that was God's intention. I don't think that was Jesus' intention. In fact, if you start to look at the life of Jesus, all that you see is Jesus wrecking the theories of people. You know, he came in and he just revolutionized people's thought processes. And everybody thought that, man, prayer was this ritualistic thing that you had to do at this time, this place, say these things, do these things, look this way, dress a certain way, do all of those things. And, and he taught us that prayer isn't this guilt producer that comes in life, but it's this anxiety reliever that every single one of us needs. And, and it's this, not this dreaded obligation of this is what we have to go do, but it's this wonderful privilege that we get to have the opportunity to have communion and relationship with a heavenly father that loves us far beyond what we'll ever know what we'll ever imagine what we'll ever ever understand and that he wants to speak to you and i and if we'll just 
position ourselves right, man, God will show up and do something absolutely incredible in our lives. And so what I want to do today is I just kind of want to throw out all the things that you know about prayer. Let's just like kind of toss them out the window. Let's put them aside for the moment and say like, hey, let's approach this from a different, from a different uh, outlook today. Let's not go into this with our skewed view of what we've been taught and what we've been told all of our lives. You can go back to those at the end of the message if you're like, that guy's full of crap and I don't believe anything he says. That's fine. It's not going to hurt my feelings. But what I want to do to here today is I just want to look at it from a little bit different perspective. Because I believe that God wants to talk to us and, and God wants us to talk to him and he wants us to connect with us on, on a much deeper level than just some mental things. He wants to connect with us on a heart level. And the thing about prayer that we fail to realize, and I love how Max Lucado says it, he says our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. You guys get that? It's not about who's saying it, it's about in the one who hears it. And that's our Heavenly Father, and listen, man, God wants to hear from you today. God wants, to, God wants to talk to you today. And I know that sounds spooky and that sounds weird, but I'm serious, man. God wants to show up in your lives. And last, year, last week we talked about God's written word and how God speaks to us through his written word. And this is a powerful way for God to speak to you. But God also speaks to you through his spoken word, through us communing with God. That's why in Gen, John 10, 4, it says, Jesus said this. He said, when he brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, talking about Jesus, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. See, God is speaking to every one of us. The problem is, is that most of us have not learned to decipher his voice. And so what I want to do over the next couple of minutes that we have here together is I want to talk about what does it look like to get a lifestyle of prayer where we can start to decipher God's voice rather than all the voices that are coming at us continuously. Rather than all of the things that are going on, and, and here's the secret, it can't just be a Sunday morning thing. I mean, if we're coming here to expect to hear from God and really truly know God's voice, it can't just be about what happens for an hour on Sunday. It's got to be so much more than that. It's got to be a daily thing. It's got to be something where we're connecting with God. And in John 15, 4 and 5, I think this verse is so key to this whole idea. And it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is what I know about all of our lives. All of us, we want to have a productive life. I don't think there's anybody in here that says, you know what, I just want my life to suck and it not to go anywhere. If you do, you might be in the wrong church. I'm just telling you that. Actually, you might be in the wrong church, and God's just going to change your heart. I don't know. It, l listen, most of us, we want something great for our lives. We want God to show up in our lives. But I think the reason the majority of us don't experience that is because we're really bad at the first word in this verse, and that's remain. We're really good at being on the go. We're really good at the fast-paced life. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. We're going to ball games. we're going to work, we're going to the kids' soccer practice, we're running to this place, we're running to that place. We're everywhere but remaining. In fact, statistically, if you were to look, uh, the average person between the ages of 18 and 34 will have 8.9 jobs. You know, want to know why? Because we're not good at remaining. The average person before they get married will have nine sexual partners. You want to know why? Because we're not good at remaining. And we wonder why we have so much junk in our lives. The average person 
financially has $16,287, and I think some, I don't forget the last amount of cents. You want to know why? Because we're not good at remaining. We want everything right now, right how it is, and we'll do whatever it takes to get it. And we miss out on this key phrase here, which is we got to learn how to remain. We got to learn how to remain. We got to learn how to spend time with God. And that takes us stopping everything else that's going on and doing a couple things. And so, what are some of those things that you and I, we got to do if we're going to make prayer a lifestyle? The first one is this is we got to make some time for God. We're just going to make some time for God. Listen, we schedule everything in our lives. If I were to ask you to pull out your smartphone right now, most of y'all can tell me what you've got going on Tuesday of this week at 3 o'clock. You want to know why? Because it's scheduled. We schedule uh, hair appointments. We schedule nail appointments. We schedule uh, baseball games. We, we schedule work. We schedule going out to eat, but we never schedule God. What's up with that? We make time for a lot of unimportant things, and we forget to make time for the most important thing of, that all, of it all, and that's a relationship with God. we got to make time. we got to create some space for God. Daniel 6.10, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, and he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Right in the middle of this story, Daniel is going through some difficult times. He's going through some difficult things, and some things are coming down. It says, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. You know what that tells me is that even in the midst of the circumstances of whatever life was throwing at Daniel, Daniel had an arranged time to spend time with God. It says three times a day, and it wasn't just because he was having a bad day. It's because it was scheduled as part of his day. How are we scheduling God to be a part of our day? How are we making time for him in our lives? You know, last week I talked about, they did a study, and they said the average person pulls out their cell phone and looks at it every six minutes. What if every time we pulled out our cell phone to check in on Facebook, instead we checked in with God? What would our life look like? What would our relationship with God be like if instead of we checked on what Susie Q is up to last night at the club, we checked in on what God was up to in our life? And Susie Q always gets the bad deal because she is the illustration for everything. So, <laughs> sorry, Susie. <laughs> but we gotta, we got to choose some time with God. We also got to find a place for God. You know, there's so many distractions in life. It's so easy to get distracted today. We got so many things going on. We got deadlines, we got quotas, we got agendas, we've got schedules, we've got all these different things. We've got cell phones going off, we've got emails binging in, we've got all these things, we've got phones ringing. We have so many things to distract us, and there's gonna be an opportunity and a place where we say, you know what, I'm gonna put all the distractions aside and I'm gonna find some quality time for God away from those things where I shut the phone off, where I turn the TV off, where I let the internet go out and I just spend some time with God and where it's a place where it's conducive for God to show up and me to show up to meet God. And a lot of us, we don't do that because we don't make time. And if we don't make time, there's never a place for that. But we gotta find a place. There's a place in our house that, there's a room in our house. It's, it's kind of the junk room. Um, you know, most of you guys probably have one of those rooms. It's the room where we throw all the junk. But in there, there's also a couch in our, in our house. And, and really, nothing else goes on in that room besides us spending time with God. You wanna know why? Because we created a place in our home because we wanted to have a place where we could go to meet with God. Where's the place where you're meeting with God? 
Is it just here on Sunday morning, or is there some place in your work? Is there, is there some sort of prayer closet weird thing that you have? Maybe for you, it's going out into nature. Maybe for some of you, maybe your places, maybe you say on Wednesday mornings at 6.30 when we have early morning prayer at the church offices, I'm going to show up to that place that's conducive where there's some, maybe some worship music playing and some, some people praying that's, that's going to inspire me to pray. But we've got to find not only time in our lives, but we've got to find a place where we can go and meet with God. And then when we go to meet with God, we've got to have a plan. I think one of the reasons people don't do well in their prayer life is because they don't have a clue what they're doing when they go to pray. Anybody else ever feel that way? Like, I walk into there and I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to say now. Like, I've, I've said everything that I know how to say. That's how I felt that first time I went to a prayer meeting. Like, I, I got it all out in 15 minutes. Like, what do I do now? Nobody gave me a plan. And so over the next couple of minutes, what I want to do is I'm going to give you kind of a, a baseline for you to pray. Uh, because there's a lot of different prayers that, that people pray. Um, none of them are bad. Some of them are recited. You've probably heard of the one called the Lord's Prayer. If you grew up in Catholic church like I did, you know, you've probably heard of the Lord's Prayer. Anybody heard of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father. See, you guys know it. <laughs> At least a percentage of you. The rest of you are just like, just say watermelon over and over again. It's all good. You can act like you know it because that's what you're doing when you're praying. You know, you're, you're just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Listen, a lot of us don't. I didn't know. And, and there's, there's value in reciting prayers like that. But I think there's value in also understanding the reason why Jesus said when he was said to his disciples, hey, I'll teach you how to pray. He was giving them not a prayer for them to recite, but a model for them to live by. And I think there's, there's a really good model that we can take a look at. And there's some dimensions uh, to prayer that I want to share with you today. And I want to share with you three dimensions of prayer. And it, we're going to talk about God. And God is so vast and he's so big. It talks about God as three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that it's called the Trinity. And listen, uh, I've been a Christ follower for a long time. This still confuses me. It's okay if it doesn't make sense to you. It doesn't make sense to me all the time. But this is what I know. I don't want to f- serve and believe in a God that I can figure out. And if you want to serve and and believe a God that you can figure out, he ain't much of a God, is he? I want a God that's not finite to my ability, but is infinite in capacity. And I believe that's what our God is. And so, you know, in in a verse here in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says this, and and Paul is given this benediction. He's talking about the different roles of God and the three persons that he is. And it says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. He's saying, see, there's the Father, there's the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. They're the same, but they have different roles in your lives. And and, And I believe that they have some different roles in our prayer life. And if we'll understand the roles that they play, play in our lives it'll help us as we pray and connect with God and so I want to read it in the message version because I just really like how it says it there and it's more it's just better for me so we're going to roll with it it says the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all see God wants all three of them to be with us all but I want to kind of break that down and talk about those and the first one I want to talk about is the amazing grace of Jesus the amazing grace of Jesus, because what we should do when we, when we pray to God, the first thing we should do is we should connect to the amazing grace of Jesus. And when we're connecting to the amazing grace of Jesus, what the focus is of that whole idea is that we have got to focus on the cross. 
See, the cross is such a critical role for us to understand, and it's something that we so downplay in our lives because the reason the cross is so important is because Jesus came to this earth, and he lived a life just like you and I. He faced the same temptations that we face. He faced the same adversity that you and I face today. And he said, and he didn't succumb to those things, but he overcame those things. And when he died on the cross for our sins and rose again, he gave us the ability to overcome those things as well. But a lot of times what we're doing is we're fighting those things in life and, and we're trying to work through those things on our own without recognizing that God's grace is there to cover over all of those things. And we're trying to work out our own salvation rather than relying on the grace of God that is giving us our salvation. And see, what happens for far too many of us is far too many of us are more concerned about what we're doing for God than just accepting the grace that God has for us. It's not about what we're doing for God. It's about what God already done for us. That's why he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. See, there's power in his grace, and it's sufficient in the depths of who you are. In fact, there's a verse before that on your outline in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Man, he understands where we're at. That marriage that you're struggling in right now, man, he's struggled in relationships. Those financial burdens that you're facing right now, man, he knows exactly how you feel. He, he had a job. He was a carpenter. He knew what it was like to go to work every day. To face some, some people that didn't have the same beliefs that you had. To face some people that were rubbing you the wrong way. He had family. He knew the conflicts. You know, maybe you got a sibling that you don't really get along with. I mean, his siblings hung out with him. How awesome would that be? You're 33 and they're still tagging along with you. Like he understood our weaknesses. It says, but we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. It says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, our prayer should, should start with, God, this is where I'm at. And man, I need your grace here. Man, I want to turn from my ways. I want to recognize your ways. And this is what I know is that I can confidently come to you no matter what has happened in life and no matter what I've done and that you're going to be there. That's an amazing thing. And so we have this confidence that we can approach God and when we do, we can go to the cross and receive the grace for every single area of your life and of my life. See, this is the first part of prayer and this is where most people stop. Because this is an easy stopping point right here. It's like, oh man, I, I told God everything I did wrong. And we miss out on the other two aspects of God. And we miss out on, on the part of God that is so much greater than just the God that we think is like just pointing a finger at us looking for everything that we've done wrong. We miss out on the extravagant love of the Father. We miss out on the extravagant love of our Heavenly Father that loves us so much that He would send his son, so that we could have grace. And so when we focus on the extravagant love of the Father, what we need to focus on is we need to focus on worship and submission. We need to focus on worshiping God and submitting ourselves to him. That's why Jesus, when he prayed that prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Man, he was worshiping God. And he said, man, God, you are great. You are amazing. He was, he was recognizing his place. See, he didn't have, any, have anything to repent of, but what he did have is, man, he had worship for his Father. He had worshiped for his father, and he said, man, I want to I love God, and I'm going to show God. 
That's why Paul says in Ephesians 3, 14, for this reason I kneel before the Father. It's an act of submission. It's an act of adoration. It's an act of worship to make yourself low because another is high. And see, what, what we look at when we see that is a lot of times we look at it and we think, oh man, he's talking about we have to get down on our knees and we have to crawl to God because we're so weird and we're so bad and, and there's no way that God would have to accept us and we're going to have to work our way to that. And that's not what that's talking about at all. Because if you were to understand Hebrew culture, Hebrew culture, it was very common for a son or for a daughter to come and kneel at their father's feet. It was very common for them to come and do that because it was a sign of submission. It was a sign of love and respect for their father. And they would come and sit there. And when they would do that, the father would put their hand on them and bless them. See, and a lot of us are missing out on the blessings of God because we've never submitted to the father God. We're so busy trying to do all of our own things that we're missing out on the very thing that he wants. And that's for us just to come and sit at his feet and submit ourselves to him and say, God, man, I love you. Thank you for your extravagant love. And I know that sounds weird because you're like, man, you don't even see this guy. But we see him every day and what he's doing in our lives. We see him every day, how he's getting us through this situation and the next one and how he pours out blessing upon us. And all he wants us to do is come and submit ourselves to him. And a lot of us miss this out because we have such a negative connotation when it comes to fathers in our lives. Some of us grew up in some bad homes, and, or our dad wasn't there, or our dad was abusive. And, and, and therefore, when we think about God, that's how we see him. We see him as the disciplinarian, because for most homes, the father is the disciplinarian. So when you think about Father God, you're thinking about the guy who's coming to crack the whip on your life. It's true. I talk to especially women. Especially women. Man, you always thinking that God's there to get you. And let me just tell you something. God's not there to get you. He's there to love you. He isn't there to hit you. He's there to hold you. And some of us have got to recognize that, man, we, we can go to the cross and find this amazing grace through Jesus. And then we go to the, the Father and we, get, and we spend some time with him and we just worship and we submit to him. And what happens is, is God shows up in our lives in a great, great way. And then we need to connect with the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. And this is really where I want to spend some time. Because I think this is one of the most important parts for us in prayer is, is really spending time with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is here for relationship. It's here for a relationship. See all that other stuff? That was about us getting rid of our junk and us just sitting back with God. But the Holy Spirit is there for conversation. He's there to be our helper. He's there to be our friend. We, but we've got to learn to develop a friendship with God. In John 14, 16 and 17, this is Jesus speaking. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. See, what Jesus said on his way out is he said, man, I'm going to send you a counselor. Uh, which is the Greek word of parakletos. And what it literally means is it literally means it's called to one side. There's going to be somebody who's called to your side to come and to be your advocate, to be your counselor, to be your friend. 
And this is what will happen is when you, you learn to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And this is what I know is that, and, and where we fail a lot of times, is that a relationship requires talking and a relationship requires listening. Most of us, when we go into prayer, you know what we do? We talk. And when we're done talking, what do we do? We leave or we quit. Because we think the conversation's over. But if I want to know somebody, you know what I do? Is I ask them questions. You know what typically when you ask people questions, what they do? They respond. You know what God wants to do with you? He wants you to ask him questions. You know what the Holy Spirit wants you to do? He wants you to ask him questions. And if you wait long enough, you know what he'll do? He'll respond. See, relationship is developed. It's not instantaneous. This guy right over here was not my best friend because I met him yesterday. Which, by the way, he's one of the greatest, greatest worship leaders in America right here. Uh, yeah, if you don't know who he is, he's led worship at our church a couple times. But this is my best friend in life. He didn't start that way. I thought he was weird. And he kind of looked like Frodo from, you know, the... <laughs> Sorry, dog. I'd... But you know what happened? We started talking. We started asking each other questions. And I remember, I can remember one night, um, we were sitting at his house. He was actually living with somebody else, uh, this family that had taken him in. He was, he was the worship leader at our old church. And, and I remember we sat in this living room till like 3 in the morning just talking, just asking each other questions. And all of a sudden, man, this bond was formed where I knew tons of stuff about him and he knew tons of stuff about me. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to sit down with him, spend some time, find a place, and develop this relationship. And what will happen for you and I, and I love how Isaiah 40, 31 says this. It says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What happens when you start to experience a relationship with God, when you start to experience a relationship with the Holy Spirit, is that you'll start to experience His presence. And that same word that's in this verse that says those that wait is that same word of remain. And if you understand anything about an eagle, then this is what you got to know. An eagle sits perched as high as it can be, and it's waiting for what they call thermal air to come through or a thermal wind. And it sits there and it waits and it remains until this thermal wind comes and it's this pocket of warm air that, that an eagle can just jump out off of its perch and just put its wings out and it will just soar. It doesn't require it to flap its wings. It just allows it to soar. And it says that it can soar up to 30, 50, 75 miles without having to flap its wings. Because it's got this wind that carries it. And here's what's happening for a lot of us. A lot of us, we're sitting perched, 
and we're trying to do life on our own. And what happens is we're just like that eagle, except we don't get the wind. We just jump off and we flap our wings. And here's what I learned about the eagle this week is that if an eagle tries to flap its wings to get places, because of its body weight, it will literally kill itself. Some of you, you're literally killing yourself trying to do everything on your life on your own. You're flapping away wondering, man, why is this not working for me? Why am I not soaring right now? Because you haven't waited. You haven't taken some time to develop a friendship. Because what the, the wind that that is, that's the presence of God. Because when the presence of God comes into your life and you jump on that and you jump out into it, you know what happens? You're not flapping your wings through trouble. You're soaring above it now. Because you know that you're upheld in God's right hand and he's taking care of your life. And I believe that some of us out there today, we've been doing parts of prayer, but we've probably not been hitting every aspect of who God is. And so we've been missing some things in our lives. This is what I want. I, I want us as a church, I want us as individuals, man, to have every single part of God that we can have. I don't want us to be lacking in anything. I want us to be fully devoted. That means, man, we're giving it all to Him. And if we're going to give it all to Him, we've got to know all of Him. Not just a part of Him, not just the cross, or not just the Father, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is here today, and He's speaking to you. Maybe there's a part in your life that's been missing. Maybe today is the day that you connect with God in that area. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.